left, right. All right, all you cool cats and kittens. We are talking about social skills, which is uh, something I think a lot of people don't realize are kind of a tangible, adjustable thing. People just kind of cruise through life making these social faux pas. And, uh, you know, when you learn about specific social skills, you can actively engage them. You can pay attention to them. You can read other people's body language. And you're missing a lot of language if you're not aware of it. So uh, it would be like trying to read a book in a language you had just started studying. You're not going to be able to understand everything that's there. So uh, give this one a listen. Let me know what you think. And uh, if we missed anything, feel free to throw in the comments. All right, guys. See you soon. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Welcome to episode 54 of SIP Talk. Uh, today, James and I are going to be talking about social skills, which I think is going to be a pretty interesting topic, um, given that I think we both spend more time than most paying attention to these things, kind of actively engaged. Uh, some people's social skills come naturally. Obviously, that's not the case for everybody. Um, I like to think I'm a little on the spectrum. James is positive he's on the spectrum so uh so trying to uh, coach myself out of some of the things but when i look at it, i'm just like yeah those traits line up but i think social skills are really uh something that that should be talked about um you know when we were talking about the sexual harassment stuff i think a lot of that also has to do with just bad social skills and i don't think people mean to be harassing or they just they, they're not kind of they don't understand the environment they're, they're acting in. They don't understand other people's perceptions of their actions, which, you know, I think that it, it's, it makes life a lot more difficult. Um, what, are you, what are you drinking down there? I am drinking Wicked Weed, a session sour that's called Watermelon Dragon Fruit Burst. It's really good. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I'm back on... Uh, <clears throat> On the old uh, Goose Island. Uh, yeah. What's up, guys that are watching? I see Rosh is there. Prima is there. I see uh, Lisa. I see uh, seeing a lot of action here on on TikTok too, which is cool. Uh, we're both drinking beer. I got a Goose Island. Um, I thought it'd be I thought it would be beneficial to start talking about social skills. Um, you know, and like I was just saying when it came to the sexual harassment stuff, I think that's a big social skill thing. I think social skills really play the biggest role when it comes to dating, business, uh, friends and family. And they all take a different type of social skills to, to really excel at. Um, you know, some come naturally. If you're with your nuclear family or you know, you're a kid and you're, you're with your family at home, you, you, you know, your social skills may not be super refined and they don't need to be exercised that much because your social skills are kind of built on the people around you. But well, and also your families, it, 
after a certain point, your family largely will accept you for who you are if you have anything resembling a decent relationship with your family. So they, they're not going to really bother correcting you on social skills. And you don't need to worry about your social skills because you don't really need to impress these people. Or, or where, are you, where are you getting those social skills from as a child, as a young person? Your well, family. probably the most, yeah, the biggest impact is going to be your parents and your family. And then the second is going to be school and the, the kids, the other kids that you're interacting with on a daily basis. I have a feeling for the most part in America, if you're getting your social skills from school to a degree, they may be better than social skills you're getting at home. I could be wrong on that, but I'm just, I'm thinking it out. And like the way your parents treat you isn't the way you would treat somebody else. But obviously you pick up a lot of bad habits because the other people at school are coming from fucked up, fucked up uh, social skill ecosystems. Uh, but that's why I want to talk about it. Uh, I had some notes um, and a couple of books that I thought would be good to touch on for people who really want to dig into the subject. Um, <laughs> but I made a rant earlier. I think, did I talk to you about the Crayola thing? No, the only thing that you mentioned was the, the thing in the text message, just with the basic concept. So um, I'm just going to let you go for, yeah. for a minute or two, and then uh, we'll, we'll see what direction this heads. <laughs> well, you know, now that I've run it through my head a few times, like it, it almost seems quasi-racist, but there was a girl online. She was uh, medium-skinned, uh, black girl, but she was like a teenager, young teenager, and it was like a GoFundMe startup page. And she was basically frustrated saying that Crayola was racist because the crayons didn't match her skin color. But then I was thinking to myself, like, I remember being a kid coloring with crayons and like you color people yellow. Like, I just the fact that somebody's getting offended that the stance that she was taking was offensive, um, you know, to the color of crayons my advice was go to an art store and just get a pencil set and then blend. But I, you know, I, I think in a 96 pack of crayons, like you're building off Roy G. Bibb, right? Like you, it's, it's difficult to hit different complexions and skin tone. I don't know, I just heard it. And, I, and again, with me, this cancel culture thing where somebody's attacking Crayola because they don't have skin tone color crayons, I thought was just taking another thing in life this much too far and it, you know, I didn't mean it to be racist. I just meant it to be like, yo, this is a problem we all have. If it's one thing, if, and I'm sure Crayola may have a skin tone pack of crayons, but if you're just going to the store, your basic eight-year-old's art supply, you know, 96 pack of Crayola crayons, you know, I think the fact that you're not getting different skin tones is pretty reasonable. You know, everybody's going to look like characters in Doug Funny. I would say even if you had a pack of crayons that were specifically just a variety of skin tone colors or whatever, you're going to be missing a lot of people. Everyone's a little bit different. And I don't think that it's reasonable for you to expect company to be able to make a product that specifically caters to you. And it, it's, you're not the victim here. Nobody's the victim here. It's not like they're going out and saying, these are the only acceptable colors for which we believe races should be. It's, you know, we, we, we've got products to sell and there's an infinite range of colors and there's even an infinite range of colors within just skin tones. So we got to kind of broad stroke it here, people. And like, 
uh, unless unless you've got Michelangelo level of talent with painting or whatever to be able to mix the paints the exact way you want to get the colors that you want, then everything's going to be a little bit off. Take some artistic license here and just say, you know what, it looks good. We're talking about crayons. I don't I don't know any artistic masterpieces that came from crayons, and that's why I said it. If you're going for accuracy, if you if you're going for that level, hit hit the colored pencils. But at this point in time. We're, we're, we're painting Crayola crayons as the enemy. And I just, I don't think Crayola crayons should ever be the, and yes, uh, the white crayon is the most useless shit crayon in the world. Yeah, and just cray- like white race. <laughs> crayons, are, crayons are also difficult to blend. So that was just my rant on the Crayola thing. I posted about it this morning and I felt bad that I was co- combating somebody who was you know who was saying this was racist i didn't mean to be but how is it racist i didn't but that's what i was getting that, that's the I thing just, is like I, I just don't see how you attack crayola for being racist on on this level yeah i i just don't see it and like not not every not every time are you going to just be a victim you don't need to be a victim in every transaction man uh, but she's like, a child but she was a child and her most formative years, the last few years, she was probably 13 or 14, maybe a little less. Her formative years have been built in this culture where everybody is victimized and nobody can stand for anything or everybody's yeah. for everything. And I guess it's just, you know what, is this really where we're gonna be focusing our energy when there are legitimate issues of race that should be addressed? And we're gonna talk about Crayola. Why not talk about other things like police? Or the way that children are treated in schools, because there's a strong racial component to discipline in schools. And there's definitely some arguments for unfairness there. I, I could go on. We could talk about funding of schools and how like traditionally like high population black schools get less funds than high population white schools. Probably not right. How about we figure out solutions to that? I don't think Crayola has a hand in any of this. All they care about is like sell their crayons. And if you fund schools more, they'll be able to sell more crayons. Crayola could- oh my god! All right, so let's 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 touch on the social the social skills part um, because I really think I really think social skills um, are are something that deserve to be talked about. Um, I think kids today, teenagers today, especially kids, you know, they're still super formative, so they're just gonna do. Kids are gonna do weird shit. That's that's part of being a kid is you experiment with things and see what works and see what doesn't and learn. And I think the same is true of teenagers and even college students. I wouldn't say that until you're in your early to mid 20s, do you even have any kind of solid ideas to what kind of or want to be and can actually take steps towards achieving it? Yeah, but that's so so I'm going to rule out kids. I'm going to hit teenagers through. <clears throat> through like 65 years old okay because really after 65 like you throw social skills out the window you can just be a prick all the time and people go oh well you're you know you're an old dude it doesn't matter but but i, I think, envy i envy that position man <laughs> but i think i think having good social skills matters in in high school especially uh very valuable people with good social skills in high school excel really 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 well and then in your 20s and 30s, which are more formative of your adult years, like that's really going to depend where you spend your 40s, 50s, and 60s. 
that's important. But then just getting along with people, you know, buying at home, getting along with your neighbors, like going to the grocery store or a restaurant and not having the staff at the restaurant be like this fucking prick. You know, I think, uh, you know, you know, imagine you're a waiter at a restaurant and you know somebody's, you know, a prick, like you're not going to give them very good service. So if somebody comes into that restaurant and they have good social skills towards you as, you know, uh, food and beverage staff, you're going to give them better treatment than you would somebody who you're you know, expecting is a, is a prick. Um, <clears throat> so two things I want to talk about books that I like on social skills. Um, have I sent you my favorite book on social skills? Uh, no. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's how to talk to anybody by Leo Laundez, something along those lines. But if you Google how to talk to anybody, and it's called 92 Little Tricks and Tips to Talk to Anyone. And it's actually these really kind of acute things that you do with like, how long should your eye contact be? Um, you know, different types of eye contact, different types of body posturing, different openers, really cool shit that like you would just never think of. And even if you, if, even if you retain eight or 12 things of the 92, you will have enhanced your social skills. So I really dig that one. I recommend it a lot to um, real estate agents because I think that's really, really good stuff. Somebody just asked if I read. I don't read. I listen to it on tape. Actually, yeah. still, still working on sounding it out. <laughs> this book, I, so I don't read a whole lot of books because I don't have a lot of downtime that's uninterrupted. And just like writing, it's very difficult to comprehend something when you don't have uninterrupted time. So when, I, when I'm writing something, you know, we have an agent handbook for the company that's now 110 pages, many chapters, chapters, chapters that I've just kind of free written. But in order to get into those, you know, in order to get a few paragraphs together, um, you have to have this uninterrupted time because you have to get a full thought out onto paper and you can think a hell of a lot faster than you can write. And also the thoughts in your head may not make sense as a cohesive unit on a, you know in a paragraph or in a chapter so you know it takes some rearranging when it comes to getting it on paper so that's really tough when uh you know when you have a lot of interruptions um so i think reading is just that you can't comprehend if you have a lot of um interruptions yeah so um that and how to win friends and influence people. I think that's like a classic book. But yeah, I've heard of that one. I just haven't read it. Yeah, just get it on tape. You you have it done in a couple of days. Um, but it is uh, it's a solid book in terms of like social skills and also in the business world. And that's why I said there's different sectors of social skills and different social skills for those sectors. They're all pretty similar. But um. So what are the what are the points? What are some of the the key things that you think are either important to know or some of the most common mistakes that you see? So the biggest one, I think, the number one thing, the first thing I put down is empathy. And I would define empathy as really the ability to understand other people's feelings. And uh, you know, that's kind of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Now, obviously, when you put yourself in their shoes, you have your background to figure out their position. But I think as long as you're actively trying to put yourself in that other person's shoes, 
it's going to give you an edge. Um, and, uh, you know, I, and, but I think empathy is, if you don't know who you're dealing with, I think you're, you're losing, you're losing already. Um, what are your thoughts on empathy? I think there's a couple different levels to empathy. There's the, the most basic level is what you just talked about, which is just try and consider whatever the situation is from somebody else's point of view, but you don't have to feel it. You just have to think, what if I were that person? You don't have to really engage with whatever emotions they're going through. You're just trying to understand that their goals and, and motivations may be different from your own. But I can't, but, but I, I deal with such a wide range of emotions with the, like the agents that come in my office every day. I feel, and it's, ex, it's a fucking exhausting, uh, but I really embody those emotions of the people that are coming in here, which, which you don't have to, and you're right. So that's, that's, I would say that that's the next level is like the first step is just saying, okay, what angle are they coming from? And how is that different from mine? How are their motivations and goals different from mine? The second level would be trying to actually feel to some degree what they are feeling. And I would say the third level is actually feeling it. Actually, actually, I guess, tasting it. <laughs> For, that's the only, that, that's the word that comes to mind though, is like that, like you can be there, but like the, that third level is really tasting it. And just like, that innate sense that you get where you're actually engaging with the emotions that they have. Um, and <laughs> I fail somewhere between level one and two, but, but level sometimes four. before even level one, but like, I, I, I don't, it's, it's extremely rare for me to be able to like be able to feel someone's emotions or like truly deeply engage with them. Yeah. I struggle there, but it's, it's, it's understanding their experiences and listening to them and reading a lot of body language also. But you know, the, I think the more vast your personal experiences, when someone's telling you about them or what they're going through, you, you can, you, you've been there or you've been close to there. You know, like somebody tells you about like a death in a family or a death of a spouse or a parent or a close loved one. And, and, and you just go like, oh yeah, I know how it is. Like, you know, it'll be better. Like that's really no, like, not the way crap. to do it. No, that's like, you, that's not, that's not kind of what I'm getting at. But what I'm getting at is, is being able to conceive that, you know, 20% of that feeling and you can only like, you can only imagine how five times that would feel. You, you see where, where, you know, where, where I'm going with that, but you spend the time and, and you actually, you know, your so, brain's there. I think one thing that we've danced around here, but is just really critical is listening instead of hearing. I'll get, I'll get you on the, I'll, I'll get well, you. But that's a step in, in, when it comes to being able to empathize with somebody, like really listen to what they're saying and what they're telling you, both verbally, paraverbally, and non-verbally, to be able to understand the full message that they're trying to give you, because that's going to, and then if you understand that, then you can start asking questions of them in a, in a sensitive way to be able to get to that next level of empathy. So let's go there, because the, my very next, empathy number one, listening was number two. 
And I spend a lot of time, I mean, you, you're surrounded by people in New York City. I spend a lot of time listening to other people's conversations. And the way that listening works like this was, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. What have you been up to? Last weekend, I went to the park. Oh, I love the park. Yeah, I brought my cousin. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, last time I was there, I was with my, uh, my best friend from Kansas. Oh, yeah, my cousin and I, we, you know, we explored uh, the east side of the park, and then we had some hot dogs. Oh, I love hot dogs. Have you ever tried this hot dog shop on the east side? Uh, no, no, but, you know, I do know this really cool restaurant on the east side, and, you know, it's an Italian place. Either way, the conversation went like this. Someone said they went to the park. The other person talked about their experience in the park. Then the first person said where they were, their own information. And the second person said some other information about themselves. And they just exchanged shit about themselves, back and forth, back and forth. Now, a better conversation was, would be something along the lines of, oh, what did you do last weekend? Oh, I went to the park. And then you, rather than say, oh, I love the park, you say, oh, which park, who did you go with? You ask a follow-up question. But I think listening is rather than waiting to share, I spend a lot of time listening to stuff that like I know a lot about and reserving my experience. And sometimes I like to talk sometimes, but, it, and it's difficult because sometimes I want to share my experience, but I'll spend a lot of time just sitting on my hands, you know, figuratively and just letting that person share their story and asking questions. Um, you know, somebody might tell me where they've traveled and it's a place that I've been to a dozen times, but rather than tell them my story, I would rather hear what they have to say, you know, and then, and I, I you know, I'll find out all of their information. And then I'm not going to say, oh, you know, once they wrap up, I may not even say, Yes, I'm literally sitting on my hands. Uh, once they wrap up, I may not then just bombard them with my experience. I may change the subject and go somewhere else. But, but I think it's really important to do a lot of listening and engaging and taking in a conversation because people want to talk, and I mean taking in a good way, because people want to talk about themselves and people will leave a conversation feeling very fulfilled the more talking they do. Well, uh, go ahead. I would say to, to some degree, how much you do the listening and guiding the conversation and sitting back and talking is going to really be determined by the, the context of the conversation. Are you in a business meeting? Are you on a first date? Are you talking with a friend that are you talking with acquaintance? Are you talking with a close friend? It all depends on what's going on with the conversation, because and, and it also has to do with where you are, because I know that in New York, conversations are much more direct and people don't need to talk around a topic to, to get to the heart of the matter. Whereas down here in South Carolina, sometimes you might take five or 10 minutes talking about nothing before you even get to whatever you're supposed oh, to be talking about. Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And so yeah, I think, yes, listening is important, but there's times where you also need to be able to like know when you're supposed to step in and kind of guide the conversation in a certain direction. 
and other times it's better to just stand back and listen and see what the other person has to say. And it really depends on on what the conversation's supposed to be about. Sure. Yeah. And context has a lot to do with it, but, but yeah, not, and I was, I wouldn't say stand back and listen, but listen, engaged listening, I think is, is a good way to put it. Um, So uh, well, the, look, hold on, I want to I want to pop in here because this is something that I I don't have an answer to because I've gotten criticized for this before, but here's my opinion and and then I'm going to tell you what I've been told. So I'm somewhat aware of myself that in certain situations my social skills are lacking, and so what I have found, or at least my opinion, is that you can opening your mouth and saying something always carries the risk of causing some kind of damage so if you're not opening your mouth and saying something (laughs) yes my mouth but i think that you can apply this in general is that making any kind of input carries a risk uh, of saying something wrong and so there's been times where i've been in social situations where i'm like i'm not really sure what i'm supposed to do here i don't know what my role is i'm not really sure where we're going with this so since I don't really know what's going on, I'm just going to shut up. And then afterwards, if I was with somebody that I knew, either a friend or most often this is in the context of like a girl that I was dating that gets mad at me about this, where they're like, why, why didn't you talk at all? I said, because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I figured like nobody really, it's rare for someone to get in trouble for not saying anything. So I, I decided to take a chance and go, if I'm going to err on the side of talking too much or you're talking too little, I'm going to get myself in a lot less trouble talking too little. Well, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Where uh, do you stand on that? Because that's my opinion is when I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I've learned shutting the fuck up is the best. So let me just talk real quick because we got a couple of live comments uh, that everybody on social media is all about them and it revolves around them. Agree. Uh, and, and the whole reason, and I just want to touch on that because somebody just brought up social media. And one of the reasons why we're talking about um, the social skills issue that we are today is because I believe that social media is actually destroying traditional social skills. And also agree. I don't know necessarily in the long run that's going to be a terrible thing because obviously the internet's taking over our lives. But I think that social skills are... are adapting and the traditional ones are taking a hurting and people just people don't have good social skills to start so it's it's just it's putting a lot of people in a very there's going to be a lot more shut-in people in the future that don't go out and have fun with people in person they spend a lot more time at home on social media. I mean, that's already the case. I also think we're going to, we're going to be seeing some, some of the consequences of the pandemic doing precisely what you're talking about. I which think is, sped it up. I, yeah, I agree. That's, that's what I'm saying is that, that because people to some, to varying degrees, some to extreme amounts have not gone out for now eight months. Oh my God. I know. And they're, they're, they're doing a small, they're locking down New York city even tighter reducing restaurant hours um, because I guess our spread rate is over a certain percentage. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not concerned. It, it's, it's getting bad all over the country again, but that's a, like talking about where the coronavirus is as of today or 
or whatever. I think that 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 merits like a separate discussion. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> but back to what you were saying is sometimes you don't know what to say. You just shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. I'm trying to think of a specific event, but a lot of times it'll just be like I'm in an argument with someone. And again, this is more relationship related, but you're in an argument with someone and like you just see this kind of no winning and you just, you're like, I, I have nothing to, I can't, I can't dig myself out of this hole. Like I'm in the hole, just it is what it is. Um, and I'll get, I, I actually want to touch on that particular aspect in a bit, but I want to get back to kind of what's more, the most important social skills. But yeah, I think sometimes it's it's good to just shut up. I've, when it comes to dating, I've learned how to have conversation where you're asking questions and being engaged, but you're truly curious about the other person. So you're asking questions to the other person's doing the majority of the talking. And then another thing that I've learned that probably does translate to dating as well, but something I've learned in business, and of course this comes as a salesperson, but something I've learned in business is the more you can get the other party talking, the more receptive they are to what you have to say. So if I can spend, if I can spend an hour out with the client looking at homes and I'm asking them questions about themselves and I'm getting them doing 80% of the talking, typically when I speak, they are more, they, ha- they trust me more, even though they're doing all the talking. And, and I think that's a really power. And I think if you relate that back to relationships, that if you can get the other person talking more and somehow you're gaining trust in someone else by allowing them to talk, which, you know, I think giving credit, you're, if, if you're genuinely interested, the trust is genuinely being earned. I think there's but, one other factor at play here which is when you're talking about showing a a prospective client, a number of apartments is, um, and this is kind of a a tangentially related to dating, but uh, I would call it the illusion of time where we don't, our experiences aren't registered, don't register in the brain based on the amount of elapsed time. Our experiences register based on events. And so if you're showing a person four apartments in an hour and a half, you've, you've generated at minimum five events with them mm-hmm. in an hour and a half, them meeting you and then apartment one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get them, if you can get them talking or whatever, now they're going to feel like that conversation lasted a lot longer than it actually did because it wasn't one conversation. It was five conversations well also that only really that only really works if you make each apartment if you're talking about showing apartments showing homes if you make each home remarkable so you can't just open the door continue the conversation walk out continue the conversation go to the next place open the door it you have to there has to be something remarkable about going to each place and a lot of times we show apartments to people and i'm saying this because we'll show somebody seven apartments and they don't remember apartment one, three, four, six, and seven. Like you know, they don't, they don't, they can't even recollect. So you have to have these remarkable moments. But here's another dating trick or tip. I don't want to call it trick because I, I don't, I don't think you should ever be 
using the word trick in dating because if you're yeah, trying you to don't want to like trick somebody and tricking way. somebody you're not being genuine which is kind of the foundation of dating yeah. uh but go to more than one more than one place and that's where i was going with this yeah okay so you know if if and the cool thing is about going from one place to another is you enter the first place whether it's a first date a second date or a fifth date you go to one place that's one event when you go to the next place, it's a second event. But guess what? You both just had a new experience together. Together. And that itself is bonding. So you, you, you're in a new environment. What do you rely on? What you know. Or who you know, which happens to be who you're with, whether you know them really well or not. Uh, and I think, I think that's a really cool thing is going to a new place. Um, yeah, you just I've, I've found that some of the most successful first dates that I've had have been ones where we started off at one place and then we went to, by the time the night was over, two, three or four other places because now the night's got some kind of a story arc to it where we started here and this happened and then we went there and we went there and we went there. And so it, it as I said, like it creates the illusion of time where in dating but also just in any in any realm business like platonic friendships or dating like trust is a function of time where the longer you know somebody the more the deeper a resume they can build in terms of how trustworthy they are to you and so in dating especially trusting the other person's really really important and being familiar and comfortable with somebody is really important and all three of those things are a function of how much time you spent with them and so if you can create the illusion that you've spent more time with them than you actually have then you're going to feel more familiar with the person and going to multiple places in a night achieves that goal probably about as as efficiently as you possibly can yeah all right, so I got a couple others I want to talk about. I want to hit the comments first because I think that's really important. Uh, we're going to get into some nonverbal stuff. So if you guys are still watching, uh, I feel like the live viewers don't stick around as long. I don't fault you guys for that. You can always check us out on YouTube or you can hit the audio podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or basically anywhere there are podcasts. Um, and we're what are the comments saying? We're going to get to some nonverbal stuff. We're going to get a little bit deeper. So if you got some time, stay tuned. Otherwise, you got to leave. I don't fault you. Just subscribe to the other stuff. Let me hit the TikTok comments because they're still coming in. Um, and I saw some good ones coming in. Uh, the key is also remembering specifics. It shows you care. I think that's really yep. I think yeah, that's good. Uh, in business, in relationships, in friends and family, anywhere across the entire spectrum of usable social skills i didn't i didn't i should remember any specifics so that's that's a good one um because you be i don't remember anything um and i'm always surprised when i do remember something how well it plays um it's it's uh it's it's it makes people really feel like you know them and uh I, well, I mean, that you care if you if you're able to pick up on, on an unimportant detail that that might be important to them, but you don't know. But if you if you pick up on something small like that, it shows that you are paying attention and engaged, and people yeah. value that. Very very simply put. All right, let me let me just hit a few more here. 
Uh, gotta go. Oh, that's a shame. We had Coco Bar here. Um, thinking about what you say before you say it. Okay. Uh, fair enough. The art of conversation is like cooking. You can't just put the food on the pan and walk away. Okay, sure. Um, I guess I'd well, it's, I, I, I want to add to that where like <clears throat> very much like cooking, how you put the ingredients together can make the difference between a good dish or a bad dish. You can, you can take all the, the exact same ingredients in the exact same amounts and prepare them well or prepare them like crap. Yeah, exactly. And, but also engagement matters when you're cooking and when you're in a conversation. Sure. <clears throat> but and also like in cooking, sometimes you have to know when you can just let something sit and you don't need to watch it. Uh, true. And then I got a comment that says, we all want to be heard, which that person actually already left alive and I didn't catch Damn it. So I, so I feel <laughs> bad. I feel bad on that one. Um, so we got we got three different live streams going here. So it's tough. It's tough. Uh, and I apologize, I apologize, guys, if I can't catch all your comments. I do try. Um, I think my clients actually appreciate me listening to them and asking more about them. Of course, everybody does. Yeah. Uh, people talk over each other and they don't really listen. Uh, let them share, respond to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so need more compassion relationships uh, as long as they are being honest. Yeah, well, obviously, I think honesty is important. Um, we've got Instagram over here, uh, Prima, Josh, and Rosh, give us attention, one, two, three, also be careful, Maria, be careful what you say, um, working in the spa and figuring out if a client wants to have a conversation is interesting, is an interesting dance, some, and just like a taxi driver, it's, you know, some, uh, taxi driver, one thing that drives me nuts is, Taxi drivers that just sit there in silence. I had, a, I had an Uber this morning and I got in and the guy said, Justin, and I said, yes. And we just sat there in silence for the next 18 minutes. It was really awkward. Um, I was- There's lucky. some people that like that. Some people like that, sure, sure. But what if I didn't have headphones? Or at least like a little more like, oh, you're heading to this location, not a problem, How, everything good. Like not even the very bare, bare minimums. Like you start, so if, if you're going to maybe have a conversation, you start with the very basics. And I don't want, to be honest with you, like I get in a lot of cabs. I don't want somebody that wants to like find out my life story. But I just I, I couldn't imagine being a cab driver in silence by myself. Like it's what he didn't have headphones in or anything. So he was sitting in silence also, which I think must be mind numbing. But you know, maybe you want to feel out the other party and see if they're open to having a conversation. I don't know. My two cents. Um, but that goes to social skills, is feeling each other out. And I wouldn't want to be the cab driver that can't feel people out and then by default sits in silence. Well, my brain turns to mush, you know, and I said traffic lights. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to get into nonverbal communication. And I think that's a really big social skill. <clears throat> and obviously, I, I, and anybody who's watching live, I'd like to invite you to just lay out your social skills, what you think are the top social skills in the comments. I obviously think everybody's going to throw out listening first. I think that's a, that's a, um, 
That's a good one. Listening is a good one. But let's talk about some of them that are fit more physical. Um, What's nice about these is that a lot of them are done without people realizing it. So if you start paying attention to it, you can learn a lot about what the other party feels without them saying it. So once you learn it, once you learn it, you can actually read what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. So I think hands is big. Um, <clears throat> oh, mirroring's a good one. I get that. Uh, yeah. I, a hands, hands is a really big one because what you do with your hands while someone is talking to you. So we have an agent here. He comes into my office and he sits down and he starts chewing on his hands. And he's a great guy, great agent, really nice guy. But I, and he's worked here for more than a year. Finally, recently, like we got to the level where we're, we're cool enough. And I'm just like, look, motherfucker, if you put your hand inside of your mouth, one more time, I'm kicking you out of my office. I can't have a conversation with you with your hands in your mouth. It's just weird. That's like an, an infant child will put their hands in their mouth. It's very he, strange. He's nervous. It, no, I don't, not, it's, not, it's not even a nervous thing. It's just like somebody who picks their nail or bites their nails or something like that. It's one of those things. Biting your nails, maybe nervous. I don't know. But, but I think the hands... Honest, honesty is a big thing that you can read with hands. And this is cool. This is something I learned in negotiating uh, is keeping your hands visible because the human race, um, we're just for whatever reason, if you can't see someone's hands, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know that they may have a weapon behind their back uh, or whatever. Well, you can't see somebody's hands to a degree, they pose a threat. Also, something I learned in my hands, and this is also really cool, and I use this a lot, actually. It's really weird. I don't know. I, I haven't paid enough attention, not on his mouth, in his mouth. Um, <clears throat> is the way your hands are. So having your hands open means that you are more open and more receptive. Not just waiting for them to physically give you something, but you're more receptive and open-minded. So the open hands, the palms facing someone is one, because this, you can still have something in your hand, right? This, you can still have something in your hand. But at least seeing your hands is step one. But two is having your hands open. So when I negotiate with somebody who's like, like they're, you know, having an argument with a client or something, I'm always just like this because like that means I'm receptive to everything that they're saying. So hands are really big. Feet is another one. And we have a crazy postman in my building um, and he's really good at having a 20, long, 20 minute long conversation because he's always getting the physical perception that he's about to leave. It's really weird. Like he'll come in and be like, hey man, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, it's good. You're good. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, and then he'll like add one more thing, but like have his body halfway out the door or his feet are facing in another direction. So <clears throat> tip number one is if somebody's trying to exit the conversation before they physically commit to exiting the conversation, they will subconsciously, their feet will commit to exiting the conversation and their feet will be facing the door. 
and then their upper body will follow mm-hmm. ready to go. The postman is a really, really crazy one because like we'll end up having a 15 minute conversation. I'm not trying to perpetuate the conversation, but he's always trying to go in the conversation. It's really weird. It's really weird. I like it. And, it's, and I wish I could record some of it just so I could publish it. People could see it. Um, <clears throat> so probably the biggest one that people think of and not, I don't think people think of hands and feet. One of the biggest ones people think of is eye contact. And I think eye contact is super important. Um, in that book, uh, How to Talk to Anyone, 92 Little Tips and Tricks and whatever the rest of that title is, eye contact is big. And it actually teaches you how to use eye contact. I was going to say, it's a balance. It's, it's, it's very... You do too much of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, here, going back to the dating sphere, one thing, another tip that, that I got, especially for first dates, is if you're on a first date with somebody, if you have the option to sit at the bar on a first date, that's better than sitting at a table where you're sitting opposite each other, mm-hmm. because then you have the, opportun- the, the option to be able to turn and like make eye contact with them and have a talk or whatever. But you, you have a natural outlet where you don't have to be forcing eye contact and the interaction isn't forced mm-hmm. and it takes pressure off. So that's another thing that I want to talk about is the way that your torso and your body is facing. So we have sales training in the office. And, and this is, if anybody, if anybody's truly listening to me right now and wants to practice this, I promise you a hundred percent. When we do the sales training, I always demonstrate it in person. And what I do is I, I get a, a female first and I say, stand up. And then I walk over to the female, roughly 20 inches, just under two feet or so apart, just under two feet apart. And I walk over to her and I say, all right. And I face her just like this. I said, all right, I'm going to run an experiment with you. Um, I just want you to behave naturally, all right? And let me know at, at the end what was going on in your head. And then I say, hold on one second. And then I grab a guy and I go to the guy, that same 20 inches to two feet apart. And I say, all right, I'm going to run the same experiment with you. But afterwards, and I do this shoulder to shoulder, okay? So we're squared up against each other. Now, what, what starts to happen halfway through my second sentence with the guy is he typically will move back a little bit or adjust to himself. And then I say, let me just stop you real quick. And then I'll turn to the other person. I'll turn to the woman, the first person. Because the, you have to ask the questions so they don't influence each other. Okay? Because if I ask the guy first, I might get a different answer from the girl. But... I turn to the, the, the female and I say, did I make you uncomfortable in any way? And she says, no. And I'm like, really, any way? And she's like, not at all, why? And then I turn to the guy and I'm like, did I make you uncomfortable in any way? And they're always like, dude, that was really fucking uncomfortable. So it's a confrontational thing. So men can face, obviously if you're too, too close, that's one thing. But that 20 inch mark, men can face women for the most part shoulder to shoulder i call that 12 o'clock 12 o'clock but but men cannot face men face to face or they make each other feel uncomfortable so they have to do this kind of 45 degree yeah i call it 10 and 2 yeah and it's it's 
it's incredible to demonstrate it. I think Mito, he just jumped on. I don't know if he's still here, but we've done it a lot in the office. And every time the guy goes, yeah, bro, that was uncomfortable as shit. So yep. how you're facing somebody and then gauging the way they react to you. So the same guy that bites his hands, when he has a conversation with you, he's right up on top of you. And again, like I said, he's worked here for about a year. I've gotten much more comfortable with him recently. Um, I actually just straight stiff armed him the other day, threw my arm right in his chest. I was like, bro, and I was walking away. I was like backing up and he kept getting close. I was backing up. And then I was in the reception area of the office where the, we had the two glass doors to the entrance of the office. And I had gotten with my back to the doors and I just straight stiffed on him. And I was like, bro, if you get any closer to me, I have to leave. <laughs> like I have to go out of the doors. Like you notice I've been backing up the last 18 seconds of our conversation. Like you, you talk too close to people. You're making me uncomfortable. And I know I, I then took that moment to pivot into you're a salesperson and you deal with different people every single day. It needs to be in your wheelhouse. It needs to be in your knowledge of how you're making people uncomfortable. You are always going to want the people that you're working with, the people that you're dealing with to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So you need to learn how to manipulate, you know, how to navigate that, that zone. And if you don't know where you're going, if you didn't just feel that you were making me uncomfortable, one, that you didn't get uncomfortable and two, that you didn't have the empathy to feel that, to know that you were making me feel uncomfortable. That's a problem. We need to work on that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the dynamic, the way kind of two people look at each other. Um, and, uh, and we talked about eye contact. I've had some weird interactions with people where some people, and I'm trying to look right at the camera right now. I have the, I have the, the, the screen is right over here. So I, I don't know if you can see the eye line. The eye line's a little off. But if I look at the camera, that's kind of, that's kind of straight on eye contact. Now there's this weird thing I noticed where some people like look at your nose or look at your forehead. And to me, that's a little weird. I think you have to have eye, eyeball to eyeball contact, but then not for too long. And that's a tricky place to be is understanding what's too long and what's not long enough. Like a, a, a fl you know, flutter, look up and look down, not long enough where you're just not breaking it too long. And I'll give you an example. I don't, I, I wish I could come up with some kind of rule on it. Cause I, I know me personally, that really any amount of eye contact, I start to get uncomfortable. Well, but so but for me, like my timer is probably too short. Your timer may be too short. Um, and, and I'll, you know, it's most people are very natural with it. But I'll give you an example. If you're on one side of the bar and there's a girl you're into on the other side of the bar, you're looking at her because you think she's cute and you're interested in her. Yep. Now, if she looks at you and you instantly look away, that's probably not going to go anywhere. Now, if you look back at her and then you just keep staring, that's weird. So... What are you supposed to do? I, I wish I could tell you because I don't think I've ever gotten this one right. Okay. The, basically, you could smile or you need to break. You need to, you need to do something else. Like uh, 
You, I look away. That's the wrong answer, apparently. The wrong, the wrong answer is to look away because that's yeah. not. That's not. Now you can hold it for a half second longer than you're comfortable with, and you look that's away. That's exactly a half second. Okay, so hold it. If you hold it, is it like a half second longer than I'm comfortable with? Is exactly a half second. So, but it, well, no, because you're looking a half second before it hits you, and you're like, "Oh fuck, right. I'm gonna look." I'm saying that the amount that I'm comfortable with is zero. So here's but you're you're looking at that person for one second they look at you you look away you've never been looking at them for one and a half seconds you look away instantly okay i'm saying that's a half second so what i'm saying is hold to the two second mark maybe smirk or something yourself look away and then very quickly if you look back and she's still looking then you can smile again realize and then you realize you're both looking at each other that's okay, but then I, you, you need to take action. Is the next is the next move. Yeah. So what do? So you could send a drink over. You could I walk just, over. I don't like. I don't like the sending a drink over. You could walk over and say hi. You've got to do something, but inaction is not the right move. But what I'm saying is, there's a. What I'm saying is, you're looking. You have. It's difficult to define. It's difficult to define what is the right amount of eye contact for the situation. For an interview, uh, I had interviews where people just stare at me the whole time and never break eye contact. I would say more eye contact in interviews than probably any other circumstance, though. Well, in an interview, what I like to do is try to figure out what that person's thinking, what the next thing out of their mouth is going to say. And also, it's a business interaction less of a pure social interaction so like 90 10 so you you it's almost more of like a arm wrestling match you know because there's there's going to be this constant push and pull the whole time and you don't want to make it weird like if that person's then staring back at you you're like now you're fucking weird but but it needs to be much more on that person and a cool here's a here's a trick. When people talk with their hands, you can look at their hands. You know, when people are moving stuff around, it gives you something to break eye contact and then go back with. Have I told you this prank? No. Speaking of hands and talking. So what you can do is you need to have you need to have an assortment of objects kind of readily available to you. So like if you're in an office and you're near like I don't know, a supply cabinet or something that has things in it, get involved in a conversation with somebody and try and get them like invested in the conversation so that all they're paying attention to is what they're saying or what you're saying so they can respond to. And so then what you do is over time, give them an object and yeah, and just keep on doing this. And eventually they're going to have like eight things in their hands and they're still talking. And then you say, what are you doing with all this I, stuff in here? I do this all. I walk into an office and, you know, with something, it, you know, it's a piece of paper or whatever. I walk into an office. I'll just say, here, hold up. I'll just I'll hand it to somebody real quick and I finish what I'm saying. And I just leave. And the, <laughs> I don't know what laughter goes on behind me, but I just know that it's just like, what the fuck? Probably at my expense ultimately, but it's funny for me in the moment. Right. Um, yeah, if you could get if you can get somebody talking or whatever, and then they end up with like five things in their hands, and then you just pause and stare at them and look at their hands. Yeah, exactly. So I want I got a couple other things I want to talk about because I feel like actually we're we're, we're hitting our time limit, which is wild. 
uh, not limit, but like we're hitting, we're, we're approaching the hour mark and I still have more I want to talk about. But the last thing I want to hit on with the eye contact thing is, and I fucking hate this, man. I'll be having a conversation with someone and they fucking do this weird lick lipping thing. And he's like, why is your tongue, why is your tongue out of your mouth? Your tongue should not leave your mouth. It should, it should not exceed the plane of your mouth at any moment in any conversation. It's very weird to me. when people I've never say, noticed that. Oh, it's so, oh, it drives me fucking insane. It's like the chewing on your hands thing. Oh. I, I've, I've never picked up on that. Maybe I just don't talk to enough weird people. <laughs> I don't know. It drives me nuts. Um, okay. A couple other things when it comes to social skills. Honesty, I think, is a really big one. Um, and you could say, like, I, I kind of, for the most part in life, I really subscribe to just kind of straight honesty. One, because I don't have enough of a memory to, like, to get that deep into, like, lying on things and then building on your lies and shit like that. Like, I don't, don't remember that. But also, I feel like it just builds trustworthiness. You know, if it's, and I tell people this when it comes to sales training when you mislead somebody or you misrepresent something, the second they find that out, they're done. They lose all, they will never trust you again. And trust in a sales environment is much more fickle than trust in a relationship, which is wild that it's like that, but it's just true. And business relationships, much more touch and go. I, I, I have a theory as to why. Throw it out there. Just, um, market competition in business, you have the, the goods in, in the business world are much more exchangeable where, yeah. whereas the goods in the relationship market, one, there, there's more of a sunk cost aspect where if you're dating somebody and you lose trust in them, well, there's a sunk cost and also finding another person that has similar characteristics to the person you're dating. That's also willing to date you is much harder to find than another real estate brokerage or another accounting firm or whatever is if you lose trust if, if someone loses trust in my accounting firm there's probably 50 other accounting firms in charleston that they can pick from so, whereas like if someone loses trust in me as a boyfriend or whatever like they, they have less options in terms of who they might want to try and date that has the similar characteristics to me so they're more willing to put up with like bad behavior on me as a boyfriend than bad behavior as me as their professional accountant to, to a degree yes and you you actually you articulated that very well because it was i was kind of stumbling in my head how to how to explain that um so well let me ask you this real quick what's more important honesty or perception of honesty Well, perception of honesty, I think, is obviously the most important. But the problem is, if you're not genuinely honest and somebody finds that out, then the everything crumbles. Okay. So you can be honest and someone not perceive you as honest. That, that's how you, that, you know, that goes with how you deliver stuff. I'm a salesperson, so I oftentimes know that what I'm saying is not always perceived as honest. And I have to, I have to build on that relationship to make it perceived as, as honesty. Um, one thing I want to add, we got a crazy TikTok following, which is pretty cool. Uh, it subsided a little bit, but 
people on TikTok keep like giving gifts and things like that. I don't know exactly what the realm of gifts are on TikTok, but I like it. I think that's very cool. We got any comments to address real quick? Um, we've been, I've been trying to, uh, yeah, uh, April said perception can be a lie. Yeah, we know that. That's that's kind of what we're getting at. That, that's the that's the that's the question I'm asking. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Uh, there's there's a lot on the TikTok uh, to catch up with, uh, and the eye contact and the mouth expression that makes a person comfortable or not clearly. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, honesty, and then I think being genuinely curious about that other person is a really really big one just just genuinely it's really hard to fake it's hot it's yeah it's hard to fake but but i also just thinking being a curious person um is good in life so i think if you're genuinely curious i think i think that's going to score you some good points and it's a good it's a really good skill to have and then oddly this is one that i added last was being apologetic and i think I, so when I'm wrong, so when I know I'm not 100% sure, certain on something, I don't fully commit to it or I'll throw some disclaimers out there. Like I'm never going to have an argument with someone on a factual based thing where I could be wrong. Because you can just look it up. Well, yeah, but, but I would also throw some disclaimers out there. Like I'm pretty sure on this, I have to confirm, but this is this and you're saying it's that. And then they say it, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. But, but I'm never just going to argue, you know, whatever reason. But there are times in life where I'm wrong, or I did something wrong, or I did something that I thought was the right thing to do that turned out not to be the right thing to do. But I think being quick to apologize doesn't make you a smaller person. Um, and I think realizing that your dignity is much greater than one misunderstanding or one mistake. So you're quick to be like, because the thing is, if you build it up and you keep keep arguing, and then ultimately you lose, you you have a, you, you've lost a lot more dignity than if you admit early defeat when you suspect that you're wrong. Depends on whether the mistake. It depends on the magnitude of the mistake and also like what the cause of it was. Was it because you were slightly misguided or you were trying to do something that you knew you shouldn't have been doing? Well, I don't know. People dig their heels in, man. People really dig in and, and, and they don't, and also they don't have that empathy to understand the other person. And something I witness a lot in business is people arguing two different things oh yeah which is though it's it's this just demonstration of lack of comprehension and just kind of lack of understanding and just like somebody will be like wednesday's going to be really sunny and somebody else will be like it's tuesday and they're like but wednesday i told you it was going to be sunny and they're like yeah but today is tuesday i'm Look, what I'm telling you is it's going to be really sunny outside. And they're like, no, but it's cloudy today. No, I'm you telling you it's going to be sunny. You see it a lot in the political sphere. Well, in the political sphere, I see it you know, a lot in the office. And it's just wild to see like a, an argument kind of devolve into just people 
arguing things that just don't fucking line up and it's just not it's not it's not connecting um which i think is i don't know i just just wild um all right what else i had last thing i want to talk about real quick because i'm running out of time on my schedule on my end um and thanks back to the TikTok guys i think we just got another gift we got some more joiners on TikTok. and like i said cool. i get it guys that it's difficult to stick on when you're watching from your cell phone, you just joined live. And I appreciate the guys that do, but don't forget again, that you can go to YouTube and you, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get all the links, all the promotional shit that we throw in there. So you get free money, free stocks, um, free credit card points, stuff like that. So check out YouTube and you can also listen to us in your spare time, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, the rest of the podcast, uh, Stitcher, the rest of the po podcast platforms. I want to talk about confidence and how important that is with social skills, because I just think, you know, lacking confidence is, is just, you're instantly, you have, you know, you, you have bad beta type uh, social skills. And the problem with confidence is that like, it, it's, it's really a self-reinforcing cycle, either direction. It is. It is. Did you watch any of the video I sent you uh, earlier today? I don't think you even sent me a video earlier today. All right. Well, I'll resend it later. Um, but so no, no, I, I have not watched it. What I want to talk about is really appearing confident right up the bat. And I'm not saying you have to be super confident or overconfident. I just think you need to be comfortable where you are. And a lot of people are really uncomfortable, but there's some small exercises you can do to make yourself a little more comfortable in certain situations. And I'll give you an example. Booze. Booze, yeah. <laughs> Booze helps. But here's an example when it comes to confidence. If you got tight clothes on, what do you do to give yourself space? You know, you stretch them out a little bit, stretch your pants out a little bit. I think when you're in a, in a, so gain weight. No, when you're in a when you're in a situation where you're, where you're in a new place, making yourself wider. So gain weight. Bigger. No, you're not going to gain weight that fast. Making yourself bigger, take up more physical space helps. Um, and a good exercise if you're going to an event. This is crazy, but if you're going to an event. On the elevator ride up, making yourself a little bigger and raising your hands. Just when you feel small, you actually, your body takes up less space. And it's, it's wild. I notice how I walk around the office when business is great versus I notice how I walk around the office when business is shit. And a lot of it has to do with how high my head is, you know, how back my shoulders are, stuff like that. But when you're going somewhere, you're going to a new place, do a little stretching out, a little elevator action where you, I, I'm not bendy, so I can't even fucking move, but you just make yourself a little wider. Um, and then in terms of appearing confidence, confident, putting both of your feet flat on the ground. And this is a weird thing. I read somewhere and then I watched it. Um, Europeans stand often with weight equally on both feet. And then Americans lean on one side, 
take weight off of one leg. Why is that? I don't know. But all the, you know, over the last seven years, the amount of time I spent in England and in other parts of Europe, and then the amount of time, I, obviously, in New York City, and then you have people who are more relatively fresh off the boat, and then people who are from here. I see it every fucking day. You go to the DMV and you can see it. Um, and it's wild. So, but I think the more confident thing is to place your feet at least shoulder width apart and have equal weight on both feet. I would say kind of like shoulders back and like chest out a little bit. Like not like puffery, but like. Well, that's, yeah, not puffery. And that's really difficult for some people to understand the difference between being like this, you know, like, uh, or just kind of being natural and comfortable, um, but not being like, like, you know, hunched, hunched over. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, so I had, you know, kind of physical presence, eye contact. And then the last one, which is probably a bit more complex is voice tone and tonality and the cadence in which you speak. I think that's a really big one when it comes to being confident because I think slowing down how you speak is really, really powerful. And I notice that if I'm in a group of people when I'm having a conversation, I do this all the time when I have hold meetings and it's wild because I do it and then I'll just bring it up and be like, look, dickhead, I just did this, it works, trust me. I'll hold a meeting and when I notice that people are being distracted, I simply take a long pause and wait for them to re reconnect eye contact with me and be like, wait, what, what did I miss? And then they look up and I'm like, and I finish my sentence. But it helps re-engage people in slowing down and pausing what you say, but also the voice tone, you know, not having a high pitch, super fast, way that you're speaking when you're speaking really fast you're speaking really high pitched it doesn't help well, i would say a good way to visualize this is imagine imagine making a graph where you you graph out the number of words per minute you're saying so if i'm speaking at a constant tone then the line's going to be straight at 60 words per minute or whatever but imagine graphing out the words per minute of your conversation and i think the ideal that you should be looking for when, when you're trying to command people's attention is going to be basically a wave where you're going to kind of slow down at times and, and let your message sink in. And then other times you're going to speed up and you're going to you go through a whole bunch of words real quick. And then again, slow it back down, emphasize a point. And that constant push and pull of cadence really sucks people in and I've, I've taught i've taught other people this and i've said i just want you to try this and i don't even care what you're talking about just try basically every other sentence say one sentence nice and slow and then other sentences speed up and get through your words quickly and what i'll find is when they start doing this and i can tell they're thinking about it but what i'll find is that subconsciously they're now much more interesting to me because it works yeah, it does. And, and I mean, we're not making this shit up. Like it's well studied. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, if you pay attention to it, it's pretty. It's you can see who's good at it 
you can see who's natural at it and uh, you can see who's really shitty at it yeah uh, it's something and- that i practiced and i i feel like when when i'm even like even just a touch engaged with it i do it naturally but it wasn't something that i knew about until i was informed so i got another one that was just added and i do this all the time and people give me a hard time about it and then i just kind of recite what i'm about to tell you um but oftentimes i speak a bit mumbled oh, fucking a. shit sorry um somebody just called it this weird line um Speaking more quietly makes people lean in a bit, little bit and pay a little more attention because they have to act, they have to physically in, try to listen to you. Um, but look, that's it. We hit the time mark. Um, we got in pretty much everything I wanted to get in. We do have to wrap. Uh, hi, Vine. Hi, Beck. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Mary, Victor. Any comments real quick before we close out? Uh, well, I think I got most of them. Um, I'm going to head back. Uh, and uh, review some of the messages we got here on TikTok. A lot of messages came through while we were live. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you missed us or you're just joining now, you can always check. We'll have this episode on YouTube probably tomorrow, within 24 hours. And you can check all the past episodes on YouTube. Again, that's the video version. You can do the audio version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, wherever else. So thank you guys for joining. And uh, I'll see you guys soon. James, adios. Thank you for joining. Thanks for being here. All right. Catch you later. Later. All right. So that was that. Uh, if we missed anything, like I said, throw it in the comments. And if you haven't already liked, if you're watching on YouTube, liked and subscribed. If you're listening to the audio podcast, please subscribe. Helps numbers. Rate us five stars. If you think we're rateable five stars. If you don't, eh, don't rate us at all. But either way, I appreciate you being here and taking part in this. I'll see you guys soon. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.